The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where we work hard every single week to bring you the best information and inspiration we possibly can to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And first up, a big shout out to the 1,222 people who attended last week's giant OREA National Real Estate Investing Summit, including the, I don't know, what was it, 20 or so that did that by pledging to WMKV here and uh, getting a, actually a great price on it and also getting eight days worth of really great real estate information. I've gotten a lot of emails about how it was a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose and how folks are still processing it by listening to the recordings and all of that sort of thing. But we appreciate your pledge for those of you who did it this way. We're glad to see you for those listeners who just signed up straight through com. And a big shout out to all of the more than 35 presenters during that time. And I was, I was thinking as I was sort of getting past all of that and thinking about my life again and thinking about what topics should we have here on Real Life Real Estate in the next few months that I, I wish I could bring all 35 of those folks on here one at a time and have them give you the same talks that they gave at the convention. But sadly, there just aren't enough weeks in the year <laughs> to do that and keep you abreast of all the new stuff that is coming up. But did uh, pick out one of them because his topic is timely both in the sense that it has become a bit of a political football and in the sense that in the face of eviction moratoriums and increasing regulation and um, the very, very hot real estate market that is going on right now, a lot of housing providers are somewhat sadly making the decision to sell their rentals out into the open market, which means that they're mostly being bought up by homeowners who are desperate to find places to buy in the inventory shy market. And I say that's sad because, number one, that's one less rental property in a country that needs more rental properties, not less. And B, because a lot of these housing providers never intended to um, let go of their properties. They've just sort of been forced into it by their own economic situations in the 
in the recession and regulation and all of that sort of thing. So we've got a lot of folks that are selling properties now that are in some cases pretty highly appreciated because maybe they bought them, you know, 20 years ago when the property values were much lower and they're looking at these gigantic potential capital gains tax bills. And they're saying, how do I, how do I not give the IRS $50,000 for a deal that the only reason it went up in value was because of inflation. And the only answer we can ever hand them on that is do a 1031 exchange. So uh, Scott Ellsworth of Ellsworth and Associates, who is both a CPA and a longtime real estate investor, and I should mention past president of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati, uh, agreed to join me today to talk through 1031 exchanges, uh, both in the sense of what it can do for you, what it can't do anything for you, and also we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, legislative stuff that might be going on that might affect these going forward. So, Scott, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Scott, are you there? I heard him a second ago. Okay, so Scott, probably you can hear me, but I can't hear you. And Mike is making a desperate dash back to the little room where the switches are that uh, turn the phone lines on. Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. Uh, he must have. He must have. He must have found the switch. Yes, we can. We can hear you, Scott. We're good. So, All right. so let's just let's just start in this in this first little time block, but with a high level of over overview of what a ten thirty one exchange is, because I, I think a lot of people have heard of them, but may only have a vague idea of what they are. Sure. So an exchange is essentially a. Uh, the IRS in the code allows me to let's say I have a I have a, I have a building, and I I say hey Vina, would you like my building? And you say yes. I've got this other building. I'll swap it for with you. Assuming there's no cash transaction, we just swap building for building. Neither of us have to pay tax on our gain. Now, what's the likelihood that you have a building that I want? And I have a building exactly that you want. Not it's very great. slim. Yeah. <clears throat> so they created uh, what in the tax code 1031s a way to do a an exchange that is between th- basically three parties with somebody acting acting as intermediary. So basically, an exchange is I've got a building I want to sell. I sell it, but those funds get immediately sent to an intermediary, a qualified intermediary, who holds them. I then have a certain period of time to buy another property, uh, and I get a contract on that, and my intermediary actually sends the money to buy that property um, because the guy I'm buying the property didn't want my property, but somebody else on a third party wanted my property. So now I've essentially sold my property, traded it, so to speak, for this other property from uh, the, the other party. So uh, at that point, I'm, I've now swapped my property, and there's some rules, but for the most part, if it's at least at the value that my property is worth when I sold it, so if I sold it for 100 I can trade it for anything over 100 and I pay no tax, I can defer that gain. It's deferred, so it hasn't disappeared, 
but if I die with it, then disappears. But <laughs> that's essentially the way it works. So that's the way you beat the, beat the tax man. You die. Well, you don't really do it, but your heirs win. You don't win, but your heirs do. So most of the time, the IRS is interested in collecting more taxes, not less taxes. Like that seems to be their Correct. thing. They like to collect taxes. So they do. Why? Why would they? That's their job. That's their job. That's what they get paid to do. <laughs> By the way, too, the IRS is not the evil one. The evil one are the people who pass the laws. The IRS just enforces them. Just to let be clear. Well, so so the 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 evil people, as you describe them, also like to collect taxes. So they do because they want to be paid and spend our money. Yes. So so why? Why does this thing exist? Like, what was the thought behind let's let's let people sell a, an appreciated property or one that they've had a lot of depreciation on, and not pay twenty, thirty, forty, a hundred thousand dollars in taxes, but instead let them take that money and go spend it on another property? So, a lot of what's written in the in the tax code <clears throat> is to encourage you to do something. Um, tax laws are generally passed to encourage some sort of some sort of activity or they, they want they want you to behave a certain way so that you stimulate the economy, let's say. So <clears throat> there is a thought that I'm not going to want to sell my property if I have to pay tons and tons of taxes, but I could sell my property, um, keep it moving in the economy, and I could buy something more, spend even more money, and that generates more in the economy, and it does, in essence, it will generate taxes. They just don't get the capital gain tax right away. Um, uh, and I would say that probably somebody in the room, when they were writing that law, it uh, uh, either had constituents that were a lot of real estate developers uh, and owners, or they themselves were. So a lot of law is written because the right people are in the right room at the right time. <laughs> probably true. So... I see what you're saying. It's it, and and there there are countries where properties remain in the same family for generations and generations and generations because the tax results of selling them are so heinous that even the grandson who doesn't really want it <clears throat> keeps it because it would be terrible to sell it because they would owe all kinds of taxes on it. So the idea here was let's keep let's keep properties that people don't want moving. <laughs> let's let's yep. let's let's get them out onto the market and let somebody else buy them and rehab them and whatever. And also let's the money that we would normally take in taxes right now is going to get spent on another property which now also probably needs improvement, which means jobs, which means more taxes, you know, more real estate taxes, transfer taxes for the local county, all of that sort of stuff. So there, right, the, and and potentially you're, the one you buy, he's not doing a 1031. Yeah, exactly. He or she's not doing 1031. Yeah, and then and then the net result is they still collect the taxes <laughs> because if you if you sell that that property you bought without exchanging it or dying as you as I gather is your professional suggestion is that you you die. Um, you die with your property. Yep. Yes. Um, then, die with your boots on. Then you not only you not only pay the taxes on the increase in this property, you also pay the taxes that you didn't pay the first time. 
Well, not when you die. Well, not when you die, but I'm saying, you know, a lot of people want to sell their properties before they die and enjoy the money. Yeah. So so ultimately, Correct. they do the, the the taxes are collected and they're actually even collected you know, there's more collected when that next property sells. Okay. Right. And yeah, so so they're ultimately going to get that tax unless, which is a different part of the code, there's an estate exemption that allows you to step up your basis. Um, and all that means is that when I die, if my property is worth three million and I paid a million for it, <clears throat> whoever my heirs are, at the time I die, if it's worth three million, it gets stepped up. What's what they call step up in basis. So for tax purposes, it's now worth three million bucks as my basis, what I have in it, and so now my heirs can sell for three million, not to pay any tax. But that's a different part of the tax code. So you're absolutely right. And in fact, one thing that, that did happen with the tax law that passed in 17, it used to be you could do like-kind exchanges for other things as well. Cars and, and uh, <clears throat> well, vehicles, airplanes and things like that. And they took all that away. The only thing they kept <clears throat> was real estate. Hmm. So hmm. All uh, right. the president was, was Trump. He had a lot of real estate. So and we- <laughs> that had some influence. When we're when we're uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some of the some of the rustling in the news about what might happen to 1031 exchanges in the future. And then we will dig in to the ways to do it. If you are thinking about selling a property, you're not liking the looks of the tax bill that's going to come after that. Um, We are also here to answer your questions, listeners, and I want a bunch of questions today because this is a this is a topic that tends to be one that people like they they ignore it until they're actually the one trying to sell the property and then they have all kinds of questions. So just get them out of the way now. Imagine you have a property for sale right now and you want to do a 1031 exchange. What questions would you have? You can call us at 877-772-9658. Again, that number is 877-772-9658. Or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Scott Ellsworth, CPA. All right. And he's... I'm here. Yes. For you. I'm I'm always glad to hear that the guest is still here after the break. (laughs) We are talking about and taking questions about 1031 tax-deferred exchanges, which probably only going to affect you if you are a person who has a property that you've held for more than a year and that you now have the opportunity to sell for a large profit over your basis not over what you paid for it but over what you paid for it plus any improvements that you capitalized minus any depreciation you've taken and when you do the math on these, I, I've, I've done two exchanges this year and I've got three more properties that are, I'm going to sell before the end of the year that I'm thinking about doing exchanges on because even a property that only sells for $120,000, if it's fully depreciated, your tax bill on that a lot. is a lot. Like Like enough in Cincinnati to go buy an extra house with. Like if you didn't pay the taxes you could use that money to go buy a whole extra house in addition to replacing the one that you <laughs> that you just sold so it's a it's an important topic not well enough known and we're definitely looking for questions today uh from listeners at uh the- 
you can either call at 877-772-9658 or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. And we're going to start, Scott, by going to the phones. We're going to talk to Mr. Cleveland on line one. Mr. Cleveland, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. How you doing? I am doing fabulous. How about you? We're doing all right. We're good. All right. My question is, can you look ahead of time for property to exchange before you sell your property? Oh, really Uh, good question. Really good question. Absolutely, and you should. Because the problem that most people, it either makes them skittish or that just scares them away totally, uh, is that when you sell your property, you only have 45 days from the date you sell it to select your potential property you're going to close with. Now, you got because you have to select the property within that 45 days, and you have to close on one of those properties. So if you can spend the time ahead of time looking and finding property that will meet what you want to buy, you're going to be uh, a lot of uh, stress and anguish ahead of time because you get into a a situation where I've had people call me and they're like, I'm on day 40 and Uh I I haven't found the property that I want. Well, at that point, with the 1031 rules, you the you, you can't be 46 days. I mean, you have to be 45 days. So by all means, yes, pick that out uh, as soon as you can because uh, that will help you at the, at the closing or to do the exchange. And let me, let me tag on to Mr. Cleveland's question and take it one step further because you guys are talking about, okay, so I know my, my, my house I'm selling is going to close in two weeks, so I'm going to go ahead and start looking for properties to identify for the exchange is there any way to go ahead and put the new property under contract before the old property sells and still include it in the exchange or do you have to do you have to wait until the old property sells before you identify and no no you can identify and put under contract you just can't close on it okay okay did you have any other questions mr cleveland no, that was going to be my follow-up question. Oh. You know, was can you put something under contract before? So you covered it. Thank you. <laughs> now, 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 the one thing I will say that I would suggest you do, whoever's going to be your intermediary, you need to start talking with them, and they will, um, they will properly guide you because you do you don't want to do this and then come to them after the fact. So hire your intermediary. Once you know you're going to do it, hire the intermediary, and they are going to guide you and answer all these questions as a part of their fee, too. So definitely do that. Don't don't wait to get your intermediary. Get them before you start the process, even selling yours. Okay, so that begs another question. Who Who's allowed to be your intermediary? Because the, the intermediary is the is the person who facilitates the exchange which means they have to receive the money from the closing you can't even touch it for a second the title Mm -hmm. company can't make a check out to you that you then sign over to the intermediary and they also have to make sure that all the paperwork's straight which is yeah there's a lot of paperwork in a 1031 exchange 
So can I just like call my lawyer and say, will you be my intermediary? Can I call my mom and say, will you be my intermediary? Or do do I need like a professional company to do this? So they can't be related. Uh, They can't be a business relationship. So if I was your CPA or I was your attorney within the last two years, I can't be that intermediary. Um, It can be an individual or an entity. Um, Just can't be a related party. Um, So you're, again, your current accountant and lawyer won't work. Um, so you want to find them. They are out there. There are lots out there. Um, uh, you want to choose wisely, though. You want to make sure they have proper documentation, proper insurance, because the the intermediary is taking your money, and those funds are a, they can be taken by creditors. So if you're if your intermediary declares bankruptcy or he takes your money, he or she takes your money and, and goes to the Bahamas to live, um, you're screwed. Um, you will have a loss then because you just got it uh, <laughs> stolen, but uh, you're not going to be happy. You'd have rather have paid the taxes and, and kept the difference. So um, so my suggestion is that you research it, try to get – so if, if anybody's in any real estate organizations, I highly recommend you – are in your in your local area, uh, join one and get some referrals from people um, who can be your intermediary. Intermediaries would normally cost to between you could get them as cheap as five hundred, but that is cheap, and I think sometimes you get what you pay for uh, up to probably fifteen hundred bucks for the intermediary part, assuming it's not a real complicated exchange. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. One more follow up. Can I uh, have a follow up question? Absolutely. To that? Um, if you, uh, had someone who was your, um, your beneficiary or excuse me, your trustee on your trust, could you use that person as your intermediary or is that that conflict of interest there? So you can't have a business relationship in the last two years. So my guess is, uh, and I actually haven't check that civic person, but my gut feel is, no, that's a business relationship, even though it's with your trust, um, and you're probably not going to be able to use that person. And I don't necessarily know that they're going to be qualified, as in not just a qualified intermediary, but actually a qualified. They know what they're doing. So I would pick I would pick somebody out that does this for a living. They're much more qualified, and they uh, will be able to help you out much better. So, no, you probably cannot use that trustee of your own trust. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your call, Mr. Cleveland. And uh, Scott, we have another uh, listener question right on the back of that that came in via email. And, you know, again, thanks, listeners. Keep them coming. I want we want to answer your questions here today, not my questions. 877-772-9658. Let me say that again, because I just feel like I blundered my way through that entire phone number. 877-772-9658 is the number to call, or you can send an email, as Cheryl did, to askvina at gmail.com. So this is, Cheryl's question relates to 1031 exchanges and self-directed IRAs. She says, are there any tax consequences when selling a property in a self-directed IRA with the proceeds going to the self-directed IRA? Nope, there's no. It's just like in an IRA uh, would just be like you're selling stock. If I own stock or mutual fund shares or whatever, 
and I sell those and there's a gain uh, and it stays within the IRA, um, then there is absolutely no tax. There is There would be zero reason you do a 1031 inside of a of a IRA. Because there's just, there's no capital gains tax anyway. Right. So right. she has a follow-up question, which is when selling a property that is not in an IRA, where you're only going to get a low profit, what profit number makes a 1031 exchange a sensible choice? Would making $5,000, $10,000, et cetera, make the 1031 a sensible choice? So, first of all, a lot of this is personal uh, preference as to how much is involved time-wise. Um, because remember, when I do my 1031, I'm not going to get any cash out of selling that property. So my cash is going to go into whatever property I'm buying, period. I don't get any cash out. Because if I take cash out of the sale, any cash out, that money is taxed. Harris considers that their money, and you're going to pay tax on it, uh, the, the, that any cash coming out. So <clears throat> to give you an idea, let's say your intermediary was 1500 Your CPA, your tax person has got to do tax work. It's probably another, let's say, three to 500 So call it $2,000. So if... If I sell something and I'm in the, let's say that this, I'm going, to, I'm, going to very, I'm going to simplify this a lot, but let's say my tax I calculate is 25% of my total, so I'm going to sell it for uh, $10,000. Uh, I'm going to have a, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a $10,000 gain, so that's going to be 2,500 bucks in taxes. It costs me 2,000 to do the exchange. Do I save 500? Yeah. Do do I do it? Do I go through all this work to save $500? I wouldn't do it. <clears throat> I usually use a rule of thumb is that I would want to save uh, at least $5,000 to make it worth it. Now, mm-hmm. is it worth it if you save a net of four? So in other words, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, the gain's going to be six, I'm going to pay two, then my net in my pocket is four in tax savings because I just spent two of it on intermediary and the tax work. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know that that's really worth it. Again, if now if, if that's all the cash that came out of it, maybe it is because I'm now can put that in there. But let's say I sell the property. It's a hundred thousand dollar property, and my gain is uh, twenty five thousand uh, dollars, or let's say twenty thousand dollars to make numbers easy. Then that's a five thousand dollar gain. But do I want to? Even though I would save a net of three, do I want to tie up potentially $70,000 into having to go with this property? No, I probably don't want to do that. But if I was going to buy the property anyway, then yes, I would do it to save that 3000 bucks because it's 3000 bucks that I've got to put into the property, and so it would be well worth it. So a lot of it's personal preference, but I usually say you need to save a net of 5000 generally. Otherwise, I generally wouldn't do it unless I know I'm going to buy the property anyway. Then I might go through that to save the five grand. You just clarified something that I've been thinking about personally uh, with an exchange that's potentially coming up, and it's not a huge the the tax bill would be about eight thousand dollars if I just if I just sold it and took the money and paid the tax bill. The tax bill would be about $8,000. And I was right on that edge of, eh, do I exchange it or not? You know, it's also nice to have money just in your bank account when there's buying opportunities coming up and not have to be forced into identifying the next property 45 days from now. 
And I just decided that I'm going to wait until the closing's not for a few weeks. I just decided that I'm going to wait until I see if I find another property I want to buy before I decide whether to do the exchange. Right. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, you know, even larger amounts, you, you have to really decide. So <clears throat> if I've got a, I've got, I've got a $3 million property, uh, let's say I bought it, let's say the tax basis is, let's say it's $2 million, and I've fully depreciated it. Well, that's a $2 million gain. That could cost me $400,000 in taxes. But if I don't owe anything on the property, um, I have to buy something else. So like if I had an apartment complex was $2 million, right now I like to buy apartment complexes inexpensively and then get a value, right? But the problem is right now is everybody's buying apartment complexes, so they're really high priced. So if I sell mine – you're walking into a market. Now I've got to buy something at a high price I would never pay if it wasn't for the exchange. So instead, do I just say, give me my $2 million, let me set it on the desk in cash, I'm going to take 400000 pay the IRS in cash, and actually in all pennies, <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to take the other $1.6 million and I'm going to just swim in it because now I've got $1.6 million to buy properties that come really cheap if there's really a downfall. Now, I'm not saying I want to write a check for four million or for four hundred thousand dollars, but I, I I think it's something you have to consider. It's it's you know, and again, if I'm at an age where I don't want to buy another apartment building, then I'm going to pay the the four hundred thousand and take the one point six and move to the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of lot of considerations that go into. It. Do you think that do you think the market that's that you're in right now is overpriced, and so there's going to be nothing you want to buy. But a year from now, there might be some really good deals that you will want to buy. So maybe you don't exchange; you just sit on the cash for a year. So let's go to the phones again. Line one, Russell. Russell, welcome How are to you? Real Estate. Good. Doing very well. How are you? Good. Good. Great to virtually seeing you yes. um, recently. A um, couple couple of questions here. Uh, well. It, let them know I, I sold a property that I'd owned that I'd rented for about two years ago and thought I was anticipating a, a capital gain uh, of ten to 20000 in actual tax because the actual gain was 105000 And then my tax professional said I didn't owe anything. I had no capital gain, maybe because my tax uh, my taxable income was otherwise low or maybe because it was the... I'm wondering if that was because of the Trump taxes. You the, probably the tax changes. You probably had a you probably had a loss that he offset it against. Yes. Would be there was a loss too. <clears throat> so there would be a couple of things that <clears throat> you may not have had any tax. Um, <clears throat> so what happens is if your ta- capital gains rates if this was the 105 all capital gains or was it also depreciation recapture? Do you do you know what the difference? Is? Uh there was depreciation and I thought I was going to owe the depreciation back, which then she didn't indicated I, I wouldn't. I, I didn't. Hmm. So, so a lot of the times, what will happen is that um, you could be capital gains rates are zero percent, fifteen, or twenty percent. So the uh, the capital gain is the amount that it, that is above the original price you paid for it, plus whatever improvements you put into it. So that's capital gain. That's probably in the fifteen percent bracket. If your income was low enough that you had nothing else, then you could have had 0% or close to 0%. 
on that money, and it wouldn't have affected it. The other thing is, is I don't know if, if her part was she was looking at your total tax liability. Again, there's a lot of things that would go into it, but at this point, if she said you didn't, then my guess is that potentially you wrote off, like if, if, if your income's too high when you have a rental, you generally can't write, and you're not a full-time real estate professional, you can't write off losses, so they so they are suspended until you dispose of the property or have a profit so that it uses up those previous year's profits. So mm-hmm. it could have been that you had a lot of suspended losses being carried forward, and then yes, all I did have taken some. off against it. Right? Did you have that? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did have some losses carried forward for over a few years. So yeah. So, so potentially, what happens is let, let's say that my income was 150. Um, but my loss carry forwards were a hundred, and then my capital gain was my total gain was 105. Well, <clears throat> you get down to a point where you may be at a low enough bracket because of the the suspended losses that there literally was no tax. But honestly, we'd have to look at your return to to see that. But I mean, it could be essentially that your net tax on the deal was zero. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily mean it still wouldn't have been a good idea to do a 1031 if that's what you wanted to do. But if your net taxes ends up being zero, then you could argue that I, I wouldn't want to do a 1031. Yeah, so. we can, we can right. call that a win. So, Russell, do you yeah, have a yeah, question? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I guess the other question is, 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 is which is any, anybody's guess is where things might go in the next two to five years now. With a, and that's kind of half political too, as far as whether there's any changes or they remain the same through 25. Yeah, sure. and, so and that's I'm a, not a well, Scott, hang on a second. Scott, 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 hang on a second. Yes, we, we need. We actually okay. need to take. We actually need to take a quick break. And I, I anyway. that was a okay. topic that I did want to. I did want to tackle. So Russell okay. gave us the perfect opening for that, but we need to do it after the break, if we can just wait okay. a minute. Thank you very much for your call, Russell. Appreciate that. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're talking about 1031 exchanges. The number to call with questions is 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking 1031 exchanges today with Scott Ellsworth, who's maybe the only person on the planet who can make them interesting. They're usually only they're only they're usually only interesting to you if like you're the one saving the taxes right now. And yeah. um we're 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 about to open the topic of what is likely to happen in the future <laughs> of 1031 exchanges because there's been a lot of news about that in the last month, but before we do, Scott, I completely forgot to tell all the listeners about our RIA meeting tomorrow night, which is an awesome meeting with a it's it, the, the entire meeting from 6 p.m. to 8.45 p.m. is all for people who like to retail houses, who want to who want to fix and flip them, who are already fixing and flipping them. And um, we all need rehab after OREA, so this is your big chance. You can have <laughs> three hours of, of rehab. Um, first session at six o'clock is about how to get money to buy and fix properties. And it's not it's not going to be a hour-long lecture on hard money loans. Uh, the fellow who's doing it, Derek Christian, has actually used several different methods of acquiring the money, including doing a 
buying the property on a lease option in his IRA and using his I it's 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 a thing. He explains it all <laughs> tomorrow night. And uh so like creative finance, no need to put a bunch of money down. And then from 7.15 to 8.45, we have a panel of very experienced renovators who they, they, they all do things a little bit differently, like we all do. And they're, they're, going to be the, they're going to be there to offer advice about properties to buy and not to buy, best uh, techniques for rehabbing, best materials, if those are questions that people want to ask, um, uh, how they find contractors, all those things that are are the real life of retailing they're not like what happens on quote reality tv and that's what you need to hear if you want to do that business now because we are now online the meetings are open to everybody everywhere in the country uh, you can even get a free guest pass by going to cincinnatiria.com that's cincinnati r-e-i-a.com uh, just clicking on the meeting It'll take you to a registration page. If you've never been before, it'll just say, okay, you're a first-time guest. Here's your free pass. And you'll get a link to join tomorrow night. Uh, and while you're there, check out the membership options. Because uh, Scott mentioned earlier that finding people like exchangers is much easier to do if you are connected in with a real estate community. And if you have a group that is not meeting right now, which a lot of associations, they're just straight up not meeting if they can't meet live. Uh, or if, you know, you want to try something new and different and really awesome, uh, there's membership options at CincinnatiRia.com as well that are as little as 25 bucks a month and quit any time. So if you've been listening to Real Life Real Estate all these years, having RIA envy because you hear about all the great programming at Cincinnati RIA, give it a try. CincinnatiRIA.com. Okay, Scott, there has been a lot of chatter in the news lately. I'm, I'm sure people have been forwarding you link after link after link that says huh. that the new administration would like to completely eliminate 1031 exchanges. So... Yes, uh, they would. Um, uh, I don't think so. I'm not a political. I don't have a political crystal ball. But assuming that apparently there is a recount or a rerun, I guess I got to run off. Um, the there's a senator or two senators down in Georgia that they have to do a runoff because that state, I think, is my understanding. That state <clears throat> requires if they're close, they have to. They have to do another election, basically, to let the two top contenders uh, run off against each other in a special election. So, <clears throat> assuming that the Republicans maintain control of the Senate, likely you have congressional gridlock as much as I would – it's beneficial for investors. If there's congressional gridlock, nothing changes. And that's one reason why you saw the stock market – skyrocket because they're like great we got <laughs> biden in but we got a controlled senate and nothing's getting through and so investors like when the government does nothing now we're paying them to do nothing but that i'm not going to get into that but anyway so so they will so honestly i think if that's the case you probably most of the the tax law would not there would not be many alterations in the tax law 
for at least the next two years until midterm elections. Um, <clears throat> but there's a chance, and I guess that election, I think, is uh, supposed to be in December. Um, and so if that's the case, then we'll know if they lose the Senate. Now, with the understanding, too, that the Republicans really don't control the majority of the seats. They've just got, I think, my understanding is there's independents, independent people who could flip-flop either way. So there's a chance they could take it out. Um they primarily want to take it out because somebody, or you pointed out, Vina, that why would they want to do these 1031s because they don't have income? Well, they do spur ec- economic activity and consequently income, but there's a big thing. If I'm selling a that property I just gave an example of for $2 million, they're losing out on $400,000 worth of taxes if, I'm, if I hold it till I either get much older and they're out of office and they can't spend it, somebody else can, or I die with it, and the tax law for estates are still the way they are, and my heirs never pay a dime of tax on it. So <clears throat> my feeling is is that I think December will build the, the, the voting Georgia will be telltale with the heat control. But right now they have kept control, so I think that um, we're okay. But I think it is a good idea to plan, and if you've got something you really want to sell, <clears throat> then I think a 1031 um, is ideal um, if that's if you got a lot of gain in it and <clears throat> you found something you really want to buy. So the question is: Is the legislature going to be the legislature going to be short-term greedy or long-term greedy? Because allowing people to do right. things, allowing people to do 1031 exchanges is long-term greedy. O- overall, they they the cities, the states, the counties. And ultimately, the federal government are going to collect more taxes by keeping real estate moving through the market. So the majority of the Senate, majority of the politicians in Washington are short term. I mean, now you've got some people who have been in in their positions because there's no um, term limits in states where they're, you know, they've been there for 30 years. I, I get it. But for the most part. They're all short term because the stuff they got like right now with when we had COVID, I mean, this this big the CARES bill where they spent three trillion dollars just on that one alone. I mean, we're already in a deficit, so we don't it's like spending money you don't have. And so they're borrowing it. So at some point, something's going to happen and the government. I don't think it's going to have much of a choice because nobody control their spending. So I think it is. So I think they're going to potentially get to a point where they think they have to raise taxes, uh, where the financial markets say the dollar, you know, the United States government are they're crazy people, and we were sure of the stability of the dollar, and now we're not. And then I think they'll have to do something drastic. And uh, California's in the same boat right now. They got they run at five fifty six billion dollar deficit. And now they got to figure out how to tax everybody to get more money. So I do think that there's a, you know, it's 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 short term, and so I think if they can get the votes, they will do the grab to tax people making more than four hundred thousand, which is what Biden said they'll do, and generally they'll remove stuff like like kind exchanges because that just benefits the wealthy, right? Yeah, because every every real estate investor who's Spent 30 years paying off five properties that they've managed the whole time and 
gets half a million dollars that they have to live on for the rest of their life is therefore rich. I mean, I can tell you that my 400 clients that are and 300 are probably real estate investors, they all make well above 400,000, not. They don't all make that. I mean, it's just insanity to think that these laws just benefit uh, the, the uber-wealthy and uh, they don't understand, they don't get, I, th- I think they know what they're doing, but, but yeah, they're very short term. They just, they got to, they got to make their mark because if I'm going to be in there in Congress or president or whatever for four years or eight years or some, I guess for 30, so maybe they're longer term, but they want to make their mark mm. and they want to pass stuff and have, they have to pay for it somehow I'm, and it might be on your back. I'm guessing that that just adds to the, the sort of housing market the housing market's kind of gridlocked right now, and you refer you referenced it before. You said, if I sold a building and I didn't see any way to buy one that I liked, then I wouldn't do an exchange. There's a lot of people right now who are afraid to sell their house because they're afraid they can't find anything they like because there's so little on the market, and that just adds to that there's less on the market because now right. those folks didn't put stuff on the market. And the number of retiring... Uh, rental housing providers that I talk to in a week, in a given week, who call because they want to sell their house, but they kind of don't want to sell their house because they they just they're tired of it. They're not managing it properly anymore. Their tenants are not living in great conditions because they just you know that that they're old and they the, the owners are old and they don't <laughs> they don't have a lot of money and energy to fix stuff up and. They're right. so tor- they're so tormented. They're like, well, I really need to get rid of these because I can't take care of them, and I'd really like to to move to Florida. But my accountant said if I sell them, I'm going to have to pay all this tax, and the only way I can talk them into selling because they're so torn about it is by saying, what if you could take the money from this property, all of it, move it down to Florida where you're going to be in something nice and simple to manage. You know, like just a doctor's yeah. office with it that's got a triple net lease. They take care of all the taxes, all the insurance, all the maintenance. Would you sell then? And they say, well, yeah, how can I do that? And I say, well, 1031 exchange. If that option yeah. goes away, a lot of these guys are going to die with with their properties. And that's not a good thing because those those no. properties need to go into somebody else's hands who's got the time, energy, and money to take care of. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, Scott, we only have two minutes left, and we have one more listener question. This is from Stacia or Stasha, maybe? I don't know, in Kansas City, who says, what is the outcome if I start to do a 1031 exchange and I can't find a property that I like by day 45? So in other words, she, <coughs> she's, then, she started it, she yes. put the money in the account, but she can't find a property. So you, at that point, <clears throat> you just don't do an exchange. You'll pay the tax on the gain. Uh, and you'll and you'll be fine. Uh, so there's really no downside. The the, the downside is I've already spent fifteen hundred bucks with the intermediary. I don't have to make my tax professional because I've now just canceled the ten thirty one. So there's really no there's no downside except you've spent the money the fifteen hundred bucks. But to an extent. You could argue it was worth a shot, and I couldn't get it done, and so it cost me fifteen hundred bucks. But I tried and. I'm fine. So I no, mean, there, there's no downside. No, no penalties. Just the fifteen hundred dollar fee that no. you paid to the intermediary. Yep. All right. Great. Thank you for your questions, 
Stacia. <laughs> I'm going to try it every possible way, and I'll eventually get it right. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time, Scott. I appreciate you uh, answering all these listener questions about this topic that more people ought to know about. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the RIA meeting on Zoom, yep. which listeners can get a link to at CincinnatiRIA.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>